Mud Stories, Episode 75. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. And the hardest part about this story, but I think it's like one of my most favorite parts about my story, is that I did not change overnight. And the thing that was always confusing for me for a long time is I would be like, but God, you changed me. And then I made the mistake again. Like, you were changing me. I was in the, I was in the process of being changed. And I sinned. And I made a mistake. And I think that Jesus paid for that same mistake after I was a follower of him. He knew I was going to make that mistake when he chose me. And he still said, yes, you're my daughter. Welcome. I'm paying for all of this. I believe, I believe that God was in all of this. And the reason that he was in this is because it caused me to need him more, to love him more, that these are things that he actually planned for my life to bring good out of. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your most muddy moments, hope to make it through whatever mud it is you're facing, and encouragement that you would know that you are never, ever alone. Hey you, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. And if this is your first time joining me, I want to extend a huge welcome to you. I am so glad you're here and we're just going to hang out and spend some time together sorting through some muddy things and being encouraged to know that God can work all things for good, no matter what it is that happens in our lives. And so today, Jamie Ivy is here. She is the host of the Happy Hour podcast, and she's also my friend, and she has so much to share with us today. But before we get to Jamie, I want to announce to you two things that I've been working on behind the scenes that I'm kind of a bit excited about, uh, the first of which is a place for us to gather. So here's the thing. This is episode 75, three quarters of the way to 100. Who could have imagined that we would have spent all this time together? I am so glad to meet you here each and every week to sort through these muddy topics and to just be encouraged together. But I've been talking with you, but I haven't heard you talking with me so much. And also, there's not a way for you to talk to one another. And so I decided we need a gathering place. And so I've created a closed Facebook page. It's going to be called the Mud Stories Gathering. And it's a place where we can connect and relate and interact. We can sort through our mud together, maybe talk about the episode of the week. We can talk about any ideas that were mentioned in the episode, or we can just talk about one another's mud or what's happening in each other's lives and just some fun ideas or whatever it is we want to discuss over there. We can meet and gather and know that we are not alone, no matter what we're facing. And so so I would love for you to join me there, uh, not only join me, but join each other. And so I'm going to work on adding you as you come in and request to be added to the group. It will be a ladies only group, only women. Sorry, guys, but we have to do it that way. So you can find the Facebook page by going to 
facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash mud stories gathering and just type in that url and request to be added to the group and i will approve you and then we can interact and gather and relate together and yay i'm so excited to meet you over there okay the second thing is i wanted a way to get feedback from you because this is the 75th episode there have been 75 mud stories that i've shared with you and i would like to get some feedback from you all because i I desire to serve you in the absolute best way possible that's going to meet your needs in the way that you want. And so if you will go over and take this survey, I've tried to make most of a multiple choice and I'm having a giveaway. So if you go over and take the survey, you will be entered to win uh, either a 30 minute Skype session with me where we can talk about whatever you want. And I will so look forward to connecting with one of you that way. Or also I'm going to give away two $25 Amazon gift cards just for you so you can buy whatever you want on Amazon. So I would love to have your responses to that. I'm going to keep it open for several weeks and just do it at your leisure. It should work on your mobile devices. Super easy. Just go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash survey. So that's J-A-C-Q-U-E-W-A-T-K-I-N-S forward slash survey and submit your responses. And I can't wait to hear from you on all your feedback. It would so help me as I plan the rest of the year of this podcast and ways that I can serve you better. So JackieWatkins.com forward slash survey. Okay, so that's enough business. Let's get to Jamie. I'm so glad she's here. I'm so excited. She is the wife to Erin Ivy. She is the mom of four beautiful kids. She resides in Austin, Texas. She's a blogger and a podcaster and just a sweet, sweet friend. And I just know you're going to love her. She's enthusiastic and energetic and just all kinds of fun. And even as I edited it and listened back to this conversation, I was just so blown away at how good God is and how, you know, we don't always see it in the moment that we're facing mud or when we're, you know, going through the circumstances of our lives that seem so hard and that they just don't make any sense. And yet, Yet, God is present and he is working all of it for our good. If we can just trust that, I think Jamie's going to give us such inspiration and encouragement to know that whatever we're facing today, God's got this. He's got it and he's working it for good. Okay, here is our conversation with Jamie Ivy. Enjoy. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the show. This is going to be so fun. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. It's like the happy hour in reverse because we're at Mud Stories. <laughs> oh, I love it. The happy hour and Mud Stories come together. Yes, it's like meant to be. I'm so, I've been looking forward to talking to you so much. So. Hey, and let's just be honest. Happy hours include Mud Stories. So Yeah, I think so. Place. I mean, yeah. so many of your shows, your guests share their exactly. stuff, right? Because uh -huh. that's what we talk about. I mean, happy hour is so great because it's light stuff, fun stuff, you know, laughter. And then sometimes it's that deep stuff. That a little makes serious. Us, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have a great time. So why don't you take a minute and just, uh, you know, introduce us to your family, what you do and where you live and all that kind of stuff for us to start. Would love to. My name is Jamie Ivy, and I live in Austin, Texas. My husband, Aaron, is a worship pastor here at a church called the Austin Stone Community Church, and we have lived here for seven and a half years. 
and we moved here for Aaron to start working at this church. And literally, we say all the time, it was like the best thing God's ever done for us. Wow. Um, we love this city. We love this church. We, um, it's just been, it's one of God's like just gracious, most gracious things He's ever done for us is to move us here. Uh, we have four kids. Our oldest is eleven. Um, our next one is ten and a half, and our next one is ten, and our next one is eight. Love it. And so You're in the it. last three, I'm in it, and the last three of our kids joined our family via adoption. Lovely. So two kids from Haiti and one domestic adoption. So that is our family, and I have a podcast called The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey that comes out every week, and it's just what you said. I just invite a girlfriend on, and we just chat about big things and little things. Um, I have a blog. And I write and I speak to women. And so I'm just doing all the things. So fun. Well, 10 years old, that seems like fourth grade because I have a nine-year-old. I have two fourth graders. Okay. Okay. That makes sense because, you know, 10 can be that. 10 going to be 11, like fifth grade, or nine already turned 10 fourth grade. So Exactly. One we held back. So he's probably – he's old in his class. He'll turn 11 in fourth grade. Got it. Um. Fourth grade's it's, a big deal. I I have four deal. as well as you, and so I have second, fourth, sixth, and seventh. I love every age, but this school age time, don't you feel like, you know, we're so busy with them, and they're in activities, and everything's new, and, you know, it's crazy busy, but um, super good at the same time. I love it. I and, and, you know, as hard as it is trying to figure out my sixth graders' emotions and stuff, Aaron and I both are really looking forward to high school kids, and we may eat our words, but I feel as though if we – and everyone tells me that has kids that have already been through this. Once we get past this, like, middle school hump, you know, yeah, that high school is a lot of fun. And so we both love high school kids. We – I mean, we just I, – I feel that it's – we're coming up to some yeah. good stuff. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I loved high school with my son, my older son. The yeah. thing is, though, they get really independent with their friends, and – I mean, my son was really amazing. He still thought I was cool the whole time, which I know some of them go through that stage where you're not cool for the moment. Yes, right. You know, like, oh, well, mom, whatever. You know, like, <laughs> I'm already seeing a little bit of that in middle school surfacing again. I'm like, really? I go through being uncool and then I'm cool. And now I'm not, you know, I had dinner with my oldest son Friday night. We kind of did this little date, just he and I, and we had sushi and stuff. It was so fun just to talk with him like as an adult. It's just so wonderful. And so I think you're going to love high school. Yeah, I'm, looking I'm looking forward, forward to it that. again. It's going to be great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I finally figured out soon after I met you, I don't know where I was or what I was not paying attention to, but I finally figured out that Aaron Ivy was your husband. Aaron Ivy is my husband, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's the backstory, which you may not know, because I, I don't, don't think we've this. talked about this, but um, I went to the very first IF gathering in Austin, Texas, that okay. first year. Okay, now it was kind of a crazy story how I got there, because, you know, it was it was like the new happening thing. Jenny Allen had launched this vision for leading women and, uh, you know, they sold out. It yeah. was, it was like a big ta-da, right? So I live in Southern California and a plane ride to Texas isn't that far, but it's still, you know, by the time you do hotel and, you know, the plane ticket and the conference ticket and all of that stuff, I was just like, you know, I'm not even going to try to get a ticket. And so I didn't try to get a ticket. So crazy enough, Angie Smith, you know who Angie Smith uh -huh, is. Okay, uh -huh. so she had just come out with her book, Chasing God, which was 
a great book. I loved it. And she and her um, publisher put out a contest that um, to share the content of Chasing God. And at the end of two weeks, they were going to give away a trip for two, all inclusive to the If Gathering. You won that? Oh my word, I won that. That's crazy. That's a great giveaway. And so that's where I saw your husband, Aaron, uh-huh. leading worship uh, with um, uh, Christy, Christy Knuckles. Ni- Christy Knuckles. Oh my word. Hello, yeah. I love her music. Let it be Jesus. So I didn't know who he was. I just knew, oh, he did music at Jenny's church. So then I figured out, oh, this super cool Jamie Happy Hour girl. That is Aaron's wife. I was like, it took me like a month to figure that out. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Aaron led worship with the very first If Gathering, which I thought he did a phenomenal job. Oh, he you know? did. Yeah. Just so passionate. It was amazing. Amazing. Love that. I know. Well, my, are you musical? Not at all. I mean, <laughs> tone deaf. Like that's how unmusical oh, I am. Friend. It's, it's rather funny. Oh, well, singing and Aaron is like, do you hear what they're singing? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And he's like, it's not even close. Like seeing this and he'll do something and I'll do it. And he's like, you do, do you hear me? Oh, and I'm like, I not hear so much. you. And this is what I do. So I, I don't even understand music at all. Oh, well. And I know that you are. So I just, I'm out. A little I'm bit. Out. Yeah, yeah. But I can relate though to being married to a music person. It's, it's kind of intense sometimes. They're very, um artistic and creative and um yeah i could relate yes yes yeah okay so speaking of marriage and our husbands i hear we share a love for the island of saint john oh my gosh mm-hmm. yes yeah we've been there twice twice and the bays the first time i saw okay so my husband and i were on this cruise and we went to saint thomas but we took the ferry across to saint john which everybody Do you should. all take the ferry yes yeah because the airport's at St. Thomas, right? Yes. We've never actually stayed in St. Thomas. We always go to St. John. Okay. So I had no idea what was in store for me when I went to St. John. We just figured St. Thomas is the big one, and we were only there for the day because it was a cruise. Mm-hmm. So we took the ferry over there, and we rented these scooters, these mm-hmm. yellow scooters, and we drove. Okay. So it's the United States in St. John. The roads are awesome. Everything's marked with the brown, you know, national park signs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so the very first time we went around the bend and saw the view from up above the hill of Trunk Bay, I thought that I had just walked into a living postcard. It For was real. Yep. so unbelievable. Anyway, love that Saint place John. is like one of our most favorite places. I think we've been four times, and every time we go, we come back, and Aaron's like, "Do not tell anyone about this place." <laughs> so he's like, "Don't talk about it. Don't do anything," um, because it really is this uh, very. I mean, it's not very touristy. I mean, you can go to touristy places. Like we always rent houses, so we don't stay in a resort. So we rent a house for a week and okay. do a lot of our own cooking and just explore. It's so wonderful. So wonderful. Man. Yeah. And it's the only place, Aaron, my husband is not very much a beach person. Neither is mine. But he can do that. They have the same skin coloring. My husband yes. has the same skin coloring as but yours. But he can do St. John because it is just so beautiful. I know. It's stunning. Well, our 15th anniversary is coming up in February. So we're trying to decide. Oh, Should another one place you like beautiful beaches. Like we, St. John's are wonderful place that we go. But we also go to a place in Mexico called Tulum. 
Mm, Tulum. Tulum. Never heard of that. And don't stay at a resort. Like they have small boutique hotels. We've also done Airbnb the last time we were there. Okay. Um, it is just this very small, quaint, almost kind of European feel beautiful nice. place. So we love Tulum. Is that near Puerto Vallarta? Talk about that place. But <laughs> here we, are. we fly into Cancun. Cancun. Okay. So it's on the other side. And then it's, yeah, it's on our side. So there's two pieces for your 15 year anniversary. Yeah. I'm going to look into that. Well, Jamie, this is the Mud Stories podcast. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about mud, whether that be adversity, hardship, suffering, sometimes failure. And how God has met us in those hard places and brought some good out of what might have been so very hard at the time. And I've lived long enough to know that we all have a story. And in fact, um, you know, growing up sometimes is where our mud starts. And so I'd love it if you would take us back and share what did growing up look like for you? And as you grew, what kind of mud did you face? Oh, that's good. I wondered what kind of, which one of my mud stories we were going to talk about here today. Um, well, I would say that I have several, like when I think about in context to your show and mud stories and adversities and struggles that we've been through as people, I would, I could come up with a handful for sure. And I feel as though some of those mud stories, I've just kind of jumped into the mud, you mm -hmm. know, it's been one of those kind of things. Yeah. And then some of them have just been kind of thrown at me. Um, but growing up, I grew up in a, in a very great home, a very all-American family, one, two kids, mom and a dad, still married to this day. Um, and then something happened, and I honestly don't even know what happened, but somewhere along the way, I think I started to not feel loved. That's the only thing I can, mm -hmm. that's the only thing I can think about it. And I honestly don't think I've ever verbalized it this way before. I felt love for my family. I have great parents. But something went and something happened and in high school. I started just completely not engaging in the church at all. And I would have told you that I was a, a Christ follower. I would have told you I was a Christian. But there was absolutely zero fruit in my life, um, no desire um, to follow him. And in fact, when I was around 16, I started just following my own desires. Mm -hmm. And so that led to a lifestyle for me of – um, underage drinking and premarital sex. And so I was, I always say I wasn't like promiscuous. I was, I was sleeping with boyfriends, you know, so that's promiscuous, but I wasn't in my early high school years. I wasn't just like sleeping with anyone, if that right. makes sense. Right. I'm not trying to justify my, well, behavior. you were probably expressing love physically. I was with my boyfriend. You were, you were allowing that to be what it meant. Yes. And I was allowing that love for them that I thought they were giving me, um, right. to be what was filling me. And I, and I will never forget the first, um, time that a, that a relationship ended after I had been intimate with them. Mm -hmm. It was like my world fell apart. Um, I mean, it literally fell apart. Yeah. And I realized at that time that I had, I basically, I, it, it became real that I had given them something that was so special. And so then when it was over, I fell apart. I mean, and here I am, 16 years old, and my world has crumbled, and nobody's world should crumble at 16 um, because a boy broke up with them. I mean, that just should not be a reality. And so, but that was my world. But from, from then on, I mean, I then kind of just picked myself up, started dating again, and that began the cycle of I never dated anybody without having sex with them. And mm -hmm. to me, I, I do feel that there were some times where I was like, I don't think this is right. In fact, I know this is not right. 
Um, but I love this person and they love me and I've already messed up. Right. Oh, isn't that just the biggest one? I've already messed up. I didn't feel there was any other way, honestly. Um, That's all you knew. It's all I knew. And I think looking back, there's a couple of reasons why I didn't think there was any other way. A, none of my girlfriends knew that I was having sex with my boyfriends. It wasn't anything that we talked about. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. You know, did, did you have anybody to talk to when your world fell apart? No, nobody. Um, because I was not involved in our church because I had kind of left that behind. I couldn't talk to my parents about it. My girlfriends didn't know. Um, it was kind of like a summer relationship and I had ditched all my girlfriends to like be in love with this mm-hmm. guy that I was going to marry and I was 16, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. And so then my world falls apart and I don't have anybody. And so what I did was just get another boyfriend. Um, but I never talked about what I was doing with anybody. And so I think that not only did I feel like there was no way to change, I had no accountability. Um, I had no one telling me any other. I mean, I knew my parents would say don't have sex until you're married. But, I mean, it didn't stop me the first time. And so Mm -hmm. all that to say, I just began this lifestyle of what is very common today. I mean, this is not unnormal just a lifestyle of dating and having sex. And it's so, very common. It's very common. It's so uh, common that I, I learned of some apps just not even a month ago. I can't even remember the name. Is it Tinder or something oh, like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yes. Crazy. And when I was talking yeah. to my son on, on a Friday night when we had our time together, our dinner together, he was like, Mom. Because he's not dating any girls right now. He thinks dating is dumb because he's not going to get married. So he's like, what's the point? I don't want to get married right now. I'm like, okay. He's like, and plus there's no good girls out there. They're all, they're all mom. You just don't even have an, any idea what the girls are like. Oh. I was like, oh, baby, that breaks my heart, mm-hmm. you know? And so, of course, he knew about this, these apps. And yeah. it led to a really great conversation. But, um, man, so much pain being inflicted on our own hearts when we make these choices, right? Because oh, it's not that sure. God's not going to love us. Although I think some people struggle with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I recently someone told me about a book called um, How Hookup Culture is Leaving a Generation Unhappy, mm-hmm. Sexually Unfilled, yep. um, and Confused About Intimacy. And it's a book I want to read. But all that to say, I felt like I just stepped into this very normal world. I mean, it it was normal. This wasn't weird to me anymore. It's what you knew. It's yeah. what I knew. And it honestly, I just didn't feel like there was any other way. And so I wasn't following Jesus. I didn't feel conflicted about this anymore. It just began of a lifestyle, which a lifestyle, now that I watch TV, I'm like, this is what people, this is what they portray. This is the world that I was living. But what that led to me is my sophomore year, at the end of my sophomore year in college, I was at a private Christian university here in Texas. And at the end of my sophomore year in college, um, something happened to me that I, for some reason, because teenagers are stupid, never (laughs) did it occur to me that that could happen to me. And that is I got pregnant. Mm. And so there I was. Once again, I did not have girlfriends that I talked about this. Maybe it was understood. Maybe it was assumed. Um, but there I was pregnant with a guy that, like, I definitely would not have had a future with. I mean, it just wasn't – he mm. wasn't a catch or anything. Um, and so I told my parents, and, man, that was hard, and they were upset and disappointed. And 
Um, I planned on marrying this guy because I just thought that would solve the problem. The problem was there's a baby, so we should get married. And so we kind of moved in together and started playing house for a little bit. Um, And then I remember one afternoon I started bleeding and so, you know, I'm 19 years old and so I'm not scary. stupid. And mm-hmm. so we go to the ER and and we're there and I'm just, at this point, I'm past the, oh crap, I'm having a baby. Now right. I'm like, you embrace it. I mean, you, right. what can you do? Like, you just keep walking forward in life. I was not, um, I was, need I say like attached and okay, well, I'm going to be a mom and I want to be a mom. And so this is not how I planned, but here we go. And I was bleeding, and so I went to the ER, and the doctor, which I tell this story, and people just cannot believe it, but he just walked in, and he goes, yep, the baby's dead. And so I remember that feeling, and then the confusion set in of like, okay, well, this this is kind of good. Like, okay, now I'm not pregnant, but oh my gosh, I'm so sad. So it was very, very hard and very confusing at the same time because – I didn't want to be pregnant. I was 19 um, dating a guy that I never met his parent. You know, it was just yeah. like – it was. How many weeks were you? You know, I don't remember, okay. but I wasn't that far along. I didn't have to have a DNC or anything. Still hard. I mean, yeah. I tell people all the time, like I've had two miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And although both of them were not in healthy situations, it, it, a loss is a loss, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. so walking through that was difficult. But I moved home with my family um, – kind of got out of that situation. And so, I mean, by God's grace, I look back and, you know, I'm, I'm not sad about that miscarriage anymore. Um, I still hurt for the fact that, um, that I had a child that wasn't born. Um, I will still get teary eyed Mm -hmm. if I think about one day in heaven, Mm -hmm. like seeing that child, you know, so I do have those moments, even though I'm glad that didn't, Go th- and that's a hard thing to yeah. say. Well, but it I'm was God's grace to, to you. Yeah, it was God's yeah. grace in that situation. How did that change your relationship with your parents? Because one of the things I'm thinking, maybe somebody out there has a child who maybe is making decisions at 16 like you were. And maybe you have some advice you could give some parents of some kids who might be making bad choices right now. Or maybe they don't even have communication going on to even know. Maybe their yeah. child's like not talking, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, how did you know, this change your relationship with your parents and what? how could you speak into that for somebody listening? Yeah, I think what changed immediately was my parents knew I was having sex. I mean, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Um, but I'm also – I was 19 years old and so I'm no longer a 15, 16-year-old mm-hmm. um, living under their roof doing this. I'm now – I mean, I'm, I'm an adult, adult, you know, making yep. these choices. But it kind of – me moving home, it kind of – opened up our relationship a little bit more because now the cat was out of the bag. We could, it, you know, we talked about it. I still don't think we talked about it a lot, but it was, there was that conversation. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew. Um, looking back and my parents are just the best. And I've heard my dad say numerous times, you know, we should have been better parents and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, dad, here's the deal. You did the best that you knew. And that's what we do. You did better than your dad. And I'm doing better than we just we just do what we do. Right. Um, I don't think my parents were bad parents. Um, I do think looking back that there should have been more conversation mm. um, in the home about you know sex and 
I mean, all I knew was you don't do it because God says not to. Right. And honestly, I just don't think that's a good enough reason yeah. <laughs> for a 16-year-old, you know? Yeah. Um, so th- those are some things that happened. Um, well, and also, don't you think as adults, even though it might feel uncomfortable, we really set the precedent for our kids in how the communication doors are. So like, 100%. for example, if if you grew up not, you know, being a physically affectionate family, if you want to change that as an adult, as the parent, you physically give affection to your kids, even though it feels awkward, and they'll just learn that that's what you do. So it changes it. And same for with sure. talking about sex or being open with all these topics. Yeah. You know, if we go first, then they're probably going to respond. Exactly. And in our family, Aaron and I, all my kids know about sex. Yeah. We started talking too. to them about sex when they were like seven years old. We have these awesome books that we read. I recently just started reading a book with my boys about pornography. Um, And so it's just, we want it, we want to have, we want our boys to be able to talk about this. Um, I want my boys, if they do go look at porn, to be able to know that they can come to me because we've had these conversations. It's not a scary word. So not hide in shame. That's the key. No hiding in shame. Yeah. 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 Uh Absolutely. Okay, so what happened after that? You, I think, end up rededicating your life to Christ. How did that happen, and how did you meet Aaron? So I move home, um, and that's just an awkward situation in itself because only my parents and, like, two friends from college know about this. Mm-hmm. And so I feel just really weird about it. Um, there's, It feels like there's this big secret. And so I started going to church with my parents not because they made me, but it's just because what that's what we did. I mean, right. it wasn't a weird thing for me to go to church with my family. Um, cause when I lived at home, that's what I would have done. And so I started going to church with them and I really, really wanted to change, um, because I really felt as though I'd hit the bottom and this wasn't working for me. And so I started going to church with my family and then I went to a college in town in Houston and joined a sorority. And, you know, I just started to get back into the same pattern that I had been in previously. Um, a lot of drinking, met a guy. Um, immediately started right back where I started. And so here I am dating again, partying, um, intimate with this person. And then that January, for some reason, I have no idea why, I went to Passion. Um, the conference um, was totally random is that I actually rode up there in the car with my now husband. Um, <laughs> we didn't even know each other hardly then. Um, but I go to Passion and here I am. I've been pregnant. I've had a miscarriage. I'm trying to find my way. Mm-hmm. I'm now back in this relationship with this guy. And it just felt as though I, I was just seeking and searching. And I really felt like spinning and out of control. Mm-hmm. And I just, but I kept feeling like there's more. And I remember sitting in that big auditorium and I have no idea what Beth Moore talked about, but I felt as though she was literally speaking to me. And it was the first time I'd ever heard her. And Literally that, I would say that that moment was um, just a changing moment for me. It's not that I changed that day and the next day I was different. This was a long, drawn-out change for me. And so from that point on, I started to really feel this tug, like Mm -hmm. God was kind of calling me, pulling me. Um, The relationship with my boyfriend started to get strained because I was changing a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I I didn't want to lose him. And we got engaged this guy. Okay. So now I'm engaged. And then I just literally, I mean, God was just working on me. And so I got to a point where I was like, I don't think that we should have sex anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, I brought that to the table with How my fiance. It did not go over well. 
<laughs> and I remember that being a really red flag for me yeah. is because I came to him and said, this is something that's really important to me. I need to see that I can do this. It's personal. I think that we might be doing something wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of those steps in me. You know, I feel like God was changing How my heart. How brave of you. That was, it was brave. It was God. I mean, literally, yeah. because I'd been sexually active since I was 16. Yep. And so here I am now engaged. I'm going to marry this guy. What's the big deal? What's the problem? Right. What's the problem? And so the way that he reacted was a really big red flag for me. And once again, I look back and just God's grace mm-hmm. was just so, um, a few months later, I can't remember, not that long. Um, I really started feeling like, I don't think I can marry this guy. Um, I just, I'm seeing things I'm changing. He's, I'm very unhappy with me. Mm-hmm. He's very much pressuring me to have sex with him. And we have already, I mean, wh- why yeah. is it such a big deal that I won't, I started to question my motives and all, I mean, it was just, yeah. it was hard. And so probably one of the hardest things I've ever done is I broke off that engagement and what, you know, God's pulling me, God's drawing me. I'm changing. I broke off this engagement. I'm focusing on him. And then, um, a couple months later I go on a business trip. I was working full time at this point. And this guy, this ex fiance of mine, we're now cordial and friends. And I made a very, very stupid mistake. And I invited him to come on this business trip with me as a friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, we ended up sleeping together. Um, and the hardest part about this story, but I think it's like one of my most favorite parts about my story is that I did not change overnight. Yeah. That is so key. Yeah. When God started, yeah. like when, when you're watching someone, like if I'm watching someone that is starting to follow God and God's calling their name, I, we as people cannot expect people to be different the next day. Right. And so for my own life, I'm a different person right now. And at this point in my, in my story, and I made this choice to invite him with me. We made a bad choice. Um, and you're not going to believe this, but I got pregnant oh my from word. that bad choice. And so here I am going, I don't understand how I did this. I'm different now. Like I love God. I'm following him. Mm-hmm. I made a bad choice and this is what happens. Like what? Why now? Why again? Like, oh, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just so difficult. And at this point, my parents and I had a very open conversation. It wasn't like it was before. Um, I was not going to marry this guy, even though I was pregnant. Um, I knew that I, I knew that he was not who I thought God wanted me with. Um, and I was just going to walk in my consequences, but still loving God and like own it. Um, yeah. And then I um, unfortunately experienced another miscarriage that was a little bit more traumatic and involved a, a very emergency surgery. And so mm-hmm. there I was you know, I just had surgery, this emergency surgery, all these people from our church are coming to visit me because I'm now been going. I now am following God, you know, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but still it was just kind of the secret between my parents and I, um, and it wasn't until probably about, um, 10 years ago that I was able to openly talk about this. Um, I still carried a lot of shame. And so all that to say, which is, the most crazy part of this also is like two months later, I started dating my husband and mm. there I was just off of this crazy two years of like two pregnancies, two miscarriages, following Jesus, making mistakes, loving him, passionate about him. And then, you know, here I was, so I felt like I brought a lot of baggage to the re- relationship. Um, Aaron had never kissed a girl before me. Oh my. 
I know, right? And that's like, how are you? I mean, what world is there like a 21, 22-year-old guy that never kissed anyone? Yeah. Um, and so for me, I had to work through a lot of shame of mm-hmm. you haven't kissed anyone and then you end up getting this. It's kind of what I felt. And yet at that passion conference, it's almost like you pivoted even slightly, but the angle ended up being different to make the trajectory of your course over time super far away from where you had walked, but it took time. Yeah, it right? took time, and, yes. And that's the hard thing. I think particularly about sexual sin, um, it's such a deep, deep place within us of connection mm-hmm. and intimacy that, um, you know, I haven't done all sins on the earth, but I would I would say from my own experience, and maybe you would agree, it is a, a shame that's really takes time to heal because we've inflicted such deep wounds Mm -hmm. on ourselves. And, um, and I think for anybody listening who is in that place, maybe who's walked where you have or where I have to just be encouraged that just because the change isn't happening, you know, in one split second moment, like a 90 degree pivot, you know, that, that it's not that we're without hope. For sure. And, you know? and man, I wish I would have had that 90 degree pivot, but I know, don't we all you know, right? <laughs> but I look back and I actually feel as though, I mean, I, I, I think that God is, is in control of everything and in everything. And what that did for me, those months of it really caused me to kind of work out my faith. Yeah. I mean, I really had to like to wrestle, wrestle through it. Yep. And so I'm grateful for that wrestle um, because I can own it and know it. And looking back on those choices um, with the guy that I was engaged to mm-hmm. and then making those mistakes and the dating Aaron. And I mean, I'm grateful for it. And man, God was just, I think it's hilarious. Sometimes I think about it, that here's my story that I bring to the table, you know, and Aaron brings in, in this realm of his life, a very pure um, area, but he's the first to say just because he didn't kiss anyone doesn't mean he didn't have, you know, tons of sin in his Other life. Issues. So, right, right. Right. So yeah. how did that go when you, um, I mean, obviously you had to share your backstory if you end up marrying each other. Yeah. So like, how did that, that's crazy scary. So it's crazy. So uh, in December, Aaron and I started dating and funny story is he had asked me out the December before and I'd said no, cause I just started dating that guy that ended up uh, becoming my fiance and mm-hmm. then all that other stuff. So he asked me out about a year later and I said, yes. And, you know, I knew Aaron, we were friends. He worked at the church that I went to. Um, but I just felt as though there's no way him and I have anything in common. I mean, at all, every guy had ever dated had played baseball. I mean, I was one of those girls <laughs> and Aaron's never played a sport in his life and he's the worship and youth pastor. So anyhow, so I said, yes. And, a pastor uh, nonetheless. Yes. Nice. I mean, we knew each other because we had been on a couple college events together and I just um, adored him as a friend. Like he was, he made me laugh like no else. He was hilarious. I, I really respected his walk with the Lord. And so it's not like this stranger was asking me out. So we went out and I think it was around like our second date that I looked at him and I said, um, the thing is, I have a few things I need to tell you. But I'm really, really worried that I'm going to tell you and you're not going to want to date me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am not ready to tell you. And so I kind of like looking back, I mean, he, and he looked at me and he said, that's fine. You can tell me whenever you're ready. And I look back and that just makes me laugh because if someone said that to me, I would be like, 
mm, I kind of need to know now. Like, I'm going to need to make that choice today. <laughs> right. Um, so he was patient and wonderful. And I really spent that next semester um, really just once again working out my faith. God, mm-hmm. how – how do I how, how do I make this relationship work when I feel so dirty? And um, what did that look like practically, Jamie? Because I'm guessing you didn't spend an hour just sitting in a quiet room with a candle reading your Bible. Right. Practically what it looked like for me, honestly, was, um, again, I'm new to this faith. Although I've grown up in the church, I knew all of the lingo. So it's not like I'd never been in church. But you're but starting what, to own your personal relationship yes, with God, right? It was new for me. And what I was having to work through was um, God's love and grace and forgiveness for me. Right. And although I was working through that that semester, I don't think I fully understood that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still working on that. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, and so that semester, I spent a lot of time honestly praying for Aaron. And what I, I would pray that God would just soften his heart. I prayed that God would prepare him. Nobody wants to hear that from the yeah. one that you love. I mean, How let's just terrifying. be honest. Yeah, you don't want to hear that. I mean, anticipating telling him must have been terrifying. It really was. And I um, and I, and I just prayed, God, I want you to lead me on this. I think you asked me to wait on telling him. And I know that seems weird, but I am. And until you tell me to tell him, I'm going to keep on praying for us. And I really was asking God to kind of build our relationship so that there'd be something to stand on. Um, and when you talk about, you know, waiting for God to tell you, I, I'm thinking you're not talking about audibly tell you. I think, what are you, explain to everybody what you're referring to, like that prompting inside, like a leading, like a, because it gets confusing knowing how to hear God. It does. And I have never heard God audibly, um, but I, well, I'll tell you how I felt when I knew that it was time. And maybe that will answer yeah. this question. So well, I was because just... I'm thinking somebody out there might be wondering, okay, well, when's the time for me? Like, how do yeah. I know how to hear God, yeah. you know? Right. Because we want to please God, but it's hard to know how to hear God. Mm-hmm. And I can only explain it as though I felt what it feel felt like in my soul and my spirit not to tell him. Mm-hmm. And then I was waiting for it to feel like this is when you should tell him. Um, and I think that's a personal thing. Like no one could have told me when the right time was. And so um, we were on a youth trip with our kids because Aaron was a youth pastor. We were down in South Padre Island on the beach and we had just been singing and had communion on the beach and everybody left. And I just stayed and prayed. And it was in that moment that I really felt in my spirit, God was saying, now is when I want you to tell him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, on this retreat, we have all these kids we're responsible for, you know? You're talking about a youth group, right? A youth group, yeah. yeah. But I can only say is that for the first time, I felt peace about it. Mm-hmm. For the first time, I felt when I thought about telling him, I didn't get anxious. When I thought about telling him, I felt I, I felt at peace. I felt like this is it. And so I didn't realize how long I had been at the beach, but Aaron came and found me. And um, he sat down across from me on the beach. And um, I still can't tell the story without crying. But um, he sat down across me at the beach. And, I mean, it was like I can I can close my eyes and be back there in a second. The mm-hmm. moon was out. The, the waves were coming in. And we were sitting there. And I said, it's time for me to tell you what I told you I had something to tell you. And he's like, okay. And so I laid it all out. I mean – I told him everything mm. and um, from 16 to pregnant at 19 to pregnant, you know, nine months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I laid it all out and I cried and mm. he cried and he 
looked at me and he said something that just changed my life. Basically, it was God through him. But he looked mm-hmm. at me and he said, he said, that's not even the person that I know. And so you have nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. And it was in that moment that I thought I'm going to marry this guy for sure. Um, but it was in that moment too, like God has used that conversation between Aaron and I so many times because I feel as though that was this human person telling me that and and God gave him that grace. Are you kidding? Like that is, that is nothing of his own doing. Um, but I have heard God whisper that to me so many times since then that Jamie, you are not that same person because I have changed you. And the thing that was always confusing for me for a long time is I would be like, but God, you changed me, and then I made the mistake again. Like mm. you were changing <laughs> me. I was in the I was in the process of being changed, yeah. and then I got pregnant again. And I really just look back on that, and I know that God was changing me. And I sinned, and I made a mistake. Um, and, and and I think that Jesus paid for that same mistake after I was a follower of Him. He, he knew I was going to make that mistake Absolutely. when He chose me. Absolutely. He knew that I was going to do that. And he still said, yes, you're my daughter. Mm -hmm. Welcome. I'm paying for all of this. And so. And in fact, maybe those pregnancies, maybe it's probable that those pregnancies were his gracious gift of advancing the change that he was doing in you. You know, I think God can, can use our bad choices. It's not like. It's not like he's up there when we make a bad choice and he's like, okay, I got to go to plan B because they're messing up plan A and they're missing all that I had planned for them. And so now we're going to reshuffle and scramble. And uh, how can I work this one for good? Because I got to re- reorganize the the plan. Absolutely. You know, he knew, like you said, like you just said from the beginning of time, he knew the choices you would make if given certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. He had a plan the whole time. And so, you know, you could have kept having sex with different people and never gotten pregnant. And who knows if that would have been the catalyst for the change that you needed in your own heart. Right. You know, and so um, really God's gift to you in that, even though you feel like you backslid or messed up again, you know, I like to say, so pregnancy means you got caught having sex. Exactly. You know, it doesn't mean that it changed what already was happening. The pregnancy isn't the sin, right? No, that happened so, a long time ago. Right. And I, I mean, and, and, and I know this is a hard doctrine for some people to take in, but I believe um, that actually God was in this. Like you were saying, I believe Me that too. God was in all of this. Me too. And the reason that he was in this is because it caused me to need him more, mm-hmm. to love him more. Um, that these are things that he actually planned for my life to bring good out of. Absolutely. And so I get the joy of talking with you today about this. And I get to say like, but God is so good in all of those moments because although those were hard times, I get to give God more glory. Right. Because of that. And your walk with him is more intimate. He's met you in those deep, hard places. And you have more compassion Mm -hmm. towards others who are going through that, that you would never have had had you... For sure. I mean, it's nice to live the good girl life. I've I've wanted to be a good girl, but you know, for some of us, that's not our story. Yeah. And um, there's a place for us to be used in a different way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, for sure. Um, I love how how that moment on the beach really cemented 
the bond between you and Aaron. At least it sounds like that's what happened. Yeah, it did. And I'm guessing that conversation could have become touch points again and again in the years to come as he could remind you and be that physical reminder to you of God's grace and how he became Jesus with skin on to you. And it probably still does. Still to this day, I I can honestly say I don't struggle with this um, hardly as much anymore. I mean, I'm, you know, however many years removed and God's grace and, you know, life moves on. And so it's not a big struggle for me. But man, when we were early married, I I, I walked into marrying a pastor. Right. And nobody knew this about me. And I didn't start talking openly about this. I didn't put this publicly out anywhere until about two years ago, you know? And so... Mm -hmm. I walked into our marriage and brought a lot of shame in and Aaron never, ever once made me feel as though I needed to hold on to any of that shame. Um, and so, man, God was gracious in that as well. And, and I can openly talk about this, um, and Aaron could be sitting right here and it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. because Jesus is so much bigger. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's not like, I don't, I, it's not hard for me to talk about this or talk about my failures because I get to say how awesome God is. And what did it feel like finally saying it out loud to someone? You know, isn't it? I, my experience was it was freeing to have carried it secretly so long and then to be able to talk about it. It does feel, I mean, now it's not even, uh, I don't even have to, it's not a second, I don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Uh, but I remember writing about it for the first time. And I remember the emails that came in after of people just saying, thank you. And a lot of them from like, I'm a pastor's wife and nobody knows about this part of my life, you know? And that was really, um, it was really encouraging for me to be able to encourage women that, um, that we are not the sum of our worst mistakes and that Jesus covers all of them. And, and you can be a pastor's wife Mm -hmm. and have baggage in your life. Absolutely. Because, hello, Jesus is the same, you know? Um, And yet the pressure, you know, there's a lot of pressure when you're in leadership. Because I think there's a thing where people who, you know, maybe they're sitting in a pew and they've walked what you've walked, but they don't perceive that you can relate to that. Because they, it's it's this crazy phenomenon where we put people on a pedestal and we want, it's sort of like we want them to be perfect because then that's something for us to aspire to. But it's so unfair to do that to leaders. It's so unfair. And my antidote against that, Jackie, is I just (laughs) tell you all the bad things (laughs) in my life. I tell you all my struggles, all the ways I don't have my stuff together. And then I'm like, Uh, okay, so come on in. (laughs) But that vulnerability helps people not feel alone. I so ascribe to that as well. And I think it's so real. Um, Well, we we didn't have time to hit all these other pieces of adversity. but I'd love for you to talk just a small bit because I know you and Aaron went on to have your own child biologically. You um, adopted domestically. You adopted internationally from Haiti. I saw your lovely video on your website. Uh-huh. Just what a gift that they filmed that, I know, documented right? that yes. for you guys. I got teary. My kids and I watched it in the car. Aww. They loved it. Um, and so I'd love for you to just share a little bit about uh, mothering. And how that's been. Because your kids are all kind of the same age, similar, and yet you're assimilating so many different different cultures. And mm-hmm. I mean, not as much probably anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, how has God grown you through mothering? Oh, gosh. Mothering is by far the hardest thing in my life. Um, Mine too, um, by the way. 
Yeah, and I thought mothering was going to be just easy. I mean, I I like to babysit. (laughs) I like kids. I can be a mom. And um, once again, God has used stuff in my life to make me really depend on Him more. And Mm -hmm. I say that because we had a biological son, and then we adopted a child domestically and who came home at birth. So in one sense, we had a very typical family. Um, No kids were struggling with any kind of attachment or trauma or anything, and life was good, and I could have, like, written a mothering book. Um, You were amazing. I I was amazing. I mean, (laughs) I just was best mom of the year. Um, And then God, once again, so graciously gives me two children who came from hard places and who brought trauma and baggage and not their fault at all. Um, it was just the way that God planned for their world. And so all of a sudden now I'm mom to four and I don't have a clue what I'm doing and I'm failing (laughs) and I'm like drowning and it's basically the worst thing ever. (laughs) And so, well, what was the transition like with, with all of them coming in? Because when uh, Amos came home, story had already been home. Just tell us about what that transition was like. So my, my daughter's story came home in October of 2009 after two years. And then my, our son Amos joined us 10 days after the earthquake in Haiti in January of 2010. So he's almost been home six years. Story has been home six years. Um, and so right now today, we're just a, a normal family. I mean, we yeah. have our moments, but who doesn't? So you know, we are just a typical family. But those first two years of becoming um, a mom to four kids were the hardest two years of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a mom and maybe personally, maybe spiritually, maybe just everything. All of it. A lot of things came together. Um, we brought home a four and a half year old who had not had parents ever. And that's just a hard situation. So hard. Um, I had a two year old daughter who had never really had a parent structure either. And so, and then I have two very typical children who'd been with a two parent family home forever and felt loved and understood loved. And also they were all six and under. And so it was crazy. <laughs> I remember about probably a month to six weeks in, I started for the first time ever. I never knew what this felt like having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my husband, I, I think I, I need, I need help. Like mm-hmm. I, I need, I don't know what I need. I something's going to have to change. Something, I yeah. went to my doctor and I got on some antidepressants and it was, it was, it was so wonderful. It helped me really situationally deal with this new world. Um, but the transition was very hard. And once again, I look back and I thank God for that because without the struggles that I've had in parenting, without my two kids who did not, um, show up to our family, the typical way, I would not have known how much I needed him as a mom. I would have breezed through parenting. I would have thought I was the best. I would have, like, it's just God has been so gracious to give me this this world and this life that sometimes seems crazy and chaotic, but it makes me really, really cling to him more. Um, whereas before, I think I could have parented on my own strength. Yeah. Well, and, and I think so. that's why I'm so passionate about our muddy stories because, It's really, if we can wrap our minds around the idea that our problems and our mud, whether we chose them or something was done to us or some tragedy happened out of, you know, out of the blue, it really 
can be something we can give thanks for. It was. And I think one of my most favorite verses in the entire scripture is about rejoicing in our sufferings. And that's been really this theme in my last couple of years of just finding the way that I can look at God and say, thank you, because this, I have suffered through these years. Um, But it says in Romans 5, 8, it says Mm -hmm. like more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope will not, um, hope will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. And I always think about that because I'm Mm -hmm. like, God, I want to endure. I want my character to be so like you. I want to endure to the end. I want um, all, I want hope. And it starts out with like, we rejoice in our sufferings because they equal that. And so I just have been feeling in the past couple of years of like, God, thank you for this because because of this, I'm going to endure. And because of this, you're building my character. Whereas it would not have been built like this had I not gone through this. So yes, you've been changed. I have been changed changed. because of it. Yes, because of Jesus and what he's done um, through my life. And lots of patience and time letting the work happen, right? Because it's a masterpiece that God's creating. Yeah, I mean, I'm 15. I've been married for almost 15 years. And so this, you know, this is something that God's been working on me with our, with my, you know, my shame and stuff from my past. Um, I mean, God's still working on me. I mean, I'm miles ahead of where I was, obviously, thank goodness. I know. And I try as much as I can to be excited for people when they're suffering. And I know that sounds kind of creepy (laughs) and weird, but you know, but it's just such an amazing opportunity for God to do something cool in their life, something transformative and amazing. And you just never know what he has in store, how he's planning to use it for his glory. For his glory, For his glory. So may we all choose in whatever mud we're facing today to give thanks. And um, okay, so Jamie, you have the Happy Hour podcast. We shared a little bit about the podcast. I want you to tell everybody about it because I want them all to go over there and visit you. It's super awesome and fun. And I'm so proud and honored to be your friend and your podcasting sister. <laughs> so sweet. And um, and then after you tell us about your podcast, you always end, if they haven't heard your podcast, you always end your podcast with three things you're loving right now. Are you going to ask me this? I am. Oh How God. could I my, not? This is like my God. brain has to get moving right now to figure this out. Okay, so I'll go first. I'll go first since that's what you sometimes do to give your guests time to think. Yes. yes. Okay, ready? Because see, I never talk about this kind of stuff on my podcast. It's a lot of times like serious stories. stories, right? And I'm like, man, I wish I could be more like Jamie. She talks about such fun things, uh, right? And I and I thought to myself, well, I don't even know if I could think of three fun things every time I talk to someone. So, but today. I spent time thinking about three things I'm loving. So I'm going to go first. Okay. 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 So number one, have you ever heard of Kate Bryan from the small things blog? No. Oh my word. She is going to change your hair life. Oh my hair life. My hair. Hair. Okay. So Kate Bryan, she is young and fun and stunning. She has this blog called the small things blog. She is a hairdresser by trade. She has two adorable, cute little boys. She lives in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. She's my best friend forever, but she doesn't know it. And (laughs) I love those best friends. 
Yeah, I stalk her on YouTube because she does hair tutorial videos and makeup videos. All the cosmetic products I've bought at Ulta are because it's from her blog and she tells me what to buy, exactly what to buy. And so I've gotten my hairspray, my texturizing spray, my little rubber bands, the right bobby pins, the right teasing combs, like all this. She had this latest one about how to do a messy bun, which I can never do. And she's just incredible. Her name is Kate Bryan. I'm a fangirl of her for that sure. That is hilarious. Yeah, she's changing my hair life okay, for sure. Okay, I need some hair maintenance big time around here. Yeah, she's darling. So that's the first one. Um, another one, okay, so I went to this mom's conference in New York in October, but I live in Southern California where it's like 75, 80 degrees every day of the year. I think Austin's kind of warm like that too, but not necessarily in the winter, right? Right, it's a little of, chilly now, yeah. yeah. Like today, the low was 55, so that was kind of... But I wear rainbow flip-flops almost every day of the year. Because you live in Southern California. Yeah. And so if my toes are a little cold for the morning, no big deal. I just wear my flip-flops. I live in them. Uh So I was going to New York in October. Hello? Like, I can't wear flip-flops to New York. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. So I decide, because I'm a big fan of country music. I don't know if you like country music. I love country music. I love country music. And, um, you know, I grew up in the country of Central California, agricultural, like, country music and everything. So I... I decided I needed some cowboy boots because I've been seeing people have cowboy boots and I really wanted some. So I thought, I don't even care if in the North in New York, they don't wear cowboy boots. Like I'm going to go buy cowboy boots at the boot barn. So I go to the boot barn. I try on all these boots and I got these boots. I'm just so in love with. They're kind of daring for me. They're daring for me. And my kids were like, yeah, my kids were like, mom, like (laughs) they were, they were kind of shocked. So that's my second thing. I love that. And then my third thing is TV with my kids. Now, I don't spend a lot of time watching TV. My kids would tell you, actually, when we met people on the cruise this last time, my kids told them that my, that I don't watch TV. And it made it sound like I was a prude, like I don't approve of TV or like I'm right. holier than thou or something. But just logistically with all the things on my plate, working at the hospital, doing podcasting and being a mom to four kids, I don't have time for TV. You have time. Yeah. Right. But um, my husband and I, way before internet, we used to watch shows. You know, we used to watch American Idol back when Carrie Underwood was on it, you know, and Biggest Loser we were into for a while. And years ago, shows, we would just like get our snack and watch a show. So we decided with our kids being this age, we'd start doing some shows with them. Well, this last season, we watched American Idol with them, which they were so into. It was hilarious watching them. Like they couldn't wait to watch it. And then, okay, so don't judge me. We watch. Okay, no, no judgment. Okay, we watch Naked and Afraid. Do you know okay, that I've, show? Yes, I know that show. Okay, they blur we don't out have cable. They blur out everything. Yes. Um, and so it's like survival techniques and how to gather water, and my boys loved it. Uh, but my latest one, and I'll stop. I promise. Um, The Amazing Race. My husband and I used to watch The Amazing Race, and I found it on Amazon Prime. So we're like on season one, and the kids are loving it. Loving okay. it. That's I love when you can find stuff you can do with your kid, like shows. Yeah, I that was Shark Tank. I know. I heard that. I heard you say that on a podcast. That's why I wanted to tell yeah. you about mine. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like awesome. I already know you, even though you don't think I do. No, that's what podcasts <laughs> do, right? Uh, okay, okay. Do you hear my three. Things? I do. I do. I just want you to know that I just spent while you were talking. I was very intently listening. Obviously, obviously, because podcasters like. What do I love? What, what do I love? love? What, what do I love? love? But I'm ready. you'll know it when you love it. Yep. Okay. okay. So the first thing 
is a podcast. And so this is a new podcast that I just started listening to. Have you heard of Limetown? No. Limetown? Yeah. So okay, tell me about it. My husband comes home and he's like, there's this new show. It's called Limetown. You should listen to it. And he told me, this is what he told me. It's like a documentary podcast about something that happened, I can't remember what year, in Tennessee. Wow. So he tells me, I'm under the assumption that this is a true story. So I start listening to it and I'm like, there's no way that this is true. Because it's about a, a, a little community of people that just disappeared. What? Yeah. So I'm like, this can't be true. So I'm listening and then I come to him and I'm like, is this really true? And he's like, no, it's not true. <laughs> so it is a like journalistic okay. fictional story. Wow. Like a but book it, on a podcast kind of? It's like a book on a podcast, but it is more like journalists. It's more like, like a wow. 2020 on a podcast. And so it's fiction. But I honestly, I keep listening. They have a new show that comes out like every two weeks. I think they only have one, like maybe six episodes out. What's it called again? Limetown. Lime one Town. word, Limetown. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Um, but so that's something I've been listening to. And I will say that it is not a love of mine yet, but I can't stop listening to it. So there's that. Well, that says that something. That makes sense. Like, I'm just kind of like, I can't figure out if I love it or not, but I keep wanting to listen. So That's what that. happened to me on the Elizabeth Gilbert podcast. Oh, I, I yes. Can, yeah. Yes. Love yeah. that. I can relate. Uh, okay. Okay. The next thing is a new bag that I recently got. Okay. And this is going to sound weird because it's a diaper bag and I have absolutely zero need for a diaper bag. <laughs> but it's by a company called Lily Jade and they make diaper bags that are it's a leather bag but it's functional so it can go with you after the diaper stage nice so I recently got one um I was gifted one from them and it is now my computer bag and really? it is literally my most favorite computer bag I've ever had because so it probably it has, has all those little pockets and stuff it has tons of pockets and it zips and it's just functional but it still it looks almost like a purse um, I have been on the lookout for a computer bag for a long time, and this is really fitting my need. So okay. I love my new Lily Jade bag. Well, you're going to have to send me the link to that so I can put I it will. in the show notes. I will. Awesome. Um, okay, my last thing is a show I've been binge watching. Okay. So I – we don't watch a lot of t – I probably watch more TV than you, but we don't watch a lot of TV because the TV usually doesn't come on until after the kids go to bed. Right. During the week in the school year, you know, right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I recently started watching a show all by myself and I cannot stop. And it is The Mindy Project. The Mindy Project? Okay. okay. I feel like I'm years behind, but okay, you Okay. You're not because stuff. I've never heard of that before. So I'm going to make you feel super cool right now. Okay. But it's all, <laughs> it's not a new show. Do you know who Mindy Kaling is? No, I don't. Okay. Well, she was on The Office. Okay. I know and about she, The Office. Yes. And she wrote a book, which I read maybe two years ago, and it's just hilarious. She's funny. So she has this show called The Mindy Project, and it's this weird, quirky humor <laughs> that I love. <laughs> and so I find myself, each episode is like 20 minutes, and no lie, oh, no. last week, because a lot of the work that you and I do, like if I'm editing or right. do show notes, uh -huh. I can have stuff on. Right. If, it, if it's not a drama that you have to watch, I mean, it's a comedy for the love. I can miss a minute or two. Right. So one, last week, I watched eight episodes in one day. Oh, my word. And it's not like I was sitting on the couch eating popcorn. I mean, right. I was like, you were productive. Right. Productive. But I cannot stop. The show cracks me up. So there's uh, that, The Mindy Project. Okay. Now, would I find that on Netflix or would I find it? I watched on it on Hulu. 
Hulu. Okay. Hulu. Yeah. Okay. I'm- and I'm only on season two, and I don't even know how many seasons there are. So oh. I'm just loving it, though. I love that. Tracking me up. I love binge watching things. It's super fun because yes. when I do watch TV, that's what I do. And one of my favorites is Alaska and the Last Frontier, the Kilchers up in Alaska. If you've never seen that one, it's so good. Anyway, I, I save them up and then we kind of watch them on a, on a weekend day or something. It's if You're binge watching like good shows. I binge watch like Sister Wives, Friday Night Lights. <laughs> I mean, these type of shows, but. Well, it's not for, for lack of uh, indulging. It's just for lack of exposure, I'd say, maybe, or I don't know. Anyway, oh, I am so, my day is better for talking to you. I am so My thankful. day is better, too. And just so everyone knows, I forgot about our recording. And so I am so glad that it happened because Yay. it wasn't even on my radar today. Well, I'm so glad. What a gift you are to me. And just being a resource, a fellow podcaster. And by the way, your show, I cannot be cheering for you more. Hello, rocking the religion, you know, Christianity iTunes charts. Thank you so you much. You know, that is just amazing. God is blessing you and um, through you blessing women and um, tell Tell us where everybody can find you online and, and um, on iTunes and all of that. Okay. Um, you can find me online at jamieivy.com. And um, basically everything's there. To find me on iTunes, if you just go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes, there I am. Okay. Um, and then it's just my name for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I love Instagram. It's my favorite social media. Isn't it great? And so I'm over there at Jamie Ivy as well. So I-V-E-Y. Is- do, do you find it's hard for people to learn how to subscribe to podcasts? Yes. I'm constantly trying to give tutorials like okay, every couple tell, of weeks. Okay, tell everybody how to do it because I haven't exactly explained this to everyone either. But So um, I'm really only good at, subs- at explaining it in iTunes because I guess I, I forget that the – I think the whole world works on Apple products, which is not necessarily Well, true. the majority do. I mean, I was an Android user and I used Stitcher. Yeah, um, Stitcher. Uh-huh. So for Android users, go to Stitcher. Go to Stitcher. Or go to your regular iTunes on your computer because Android users can use iTunes on their regular laptops. On, for sure. Uh-huh. You know, so you just go to iTunes on your computer. But yeah. otherwise, if you have an Apple iPhone or iPad, tell everybody well, how to do it. if you have an iPhone, good gracious, it's so easy. So easy. If you have easy. an iPhone... You just, there's an app that they put on there. I think last year Apple did this. And so you have a podcast app on your phone. It's like, it says podcast underneath it. It's purple with a little like white man with two circles around his head um, on it. And so you literally just click that, that app and then type in whatever you want. Search. If you want to search for me, search for happy hour, Jamie Ivy or search for mud stories um, or Limetown or whatever it is. And then you just hit subscribe and literally every single time we put out a new show, it just pops up on your phone. That's it's right. And you get so a little easy. red, you get a little red uh, circle with a yes. number, right? Yeah. Huh? Yep. So when I get in my car and some of my friends too are like, when do you listen to podcasts? And I'm like, man, I listen to podcasts every time I'm in the car. I mean, Me too. every time I'm in the car. Um, so Me like, too. I just, I told you that I listened to your show all day yesterday. So your shows are probably like an hour long, I'm guessing. Yeah. And I'm not in the car for an hour at a time on any day, thank goodness. But I'm in the car for like a total of like an hour and a half every day at different right. times. And so just every time I would get in, it would pick right back up where you yep. left off. And so I also listen to them grocery shopping um, yep. at the gym. Working so, out, walking, or yeah. even cl- I like to listen when I'm cleaning too. Because yes. I feel like I'm being productive, but actually I have company. 
Um, I, I'll listen to a lot of your shows that way because your shows are having conversations with people like you're at a happy hour and just mm-hmm. chatting. And so I feel like I'm joining you, you know? Yeah. And, and if you um, have Apple TV here, once again, I think the whole world revolves around <laughs> Apple. If you have Apple TV, there's actually a podcast app on there. So sometimes when I'm at home, I'll put my podcast playing through my TV. So it's like oh, you're good. in the house and it's just going. Yeah. 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 Oh, and I hear they're going to start putting them on the dashes of cars. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that it's wonderful neat? for us. Yeah. Well, it's great as consumers because we can choose the kind of radio we want. It's really podcasts are like radio. You just get sure. to choose the topics. So yeah. what a gift it is to be able to podcast, don't you think? It's just I, such a blessing. I love it. I told Aaron the other day, I was like, I have never been happier in my work than I am right now. I know. I know. So fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for being my friend. This I just great. love Thank knowing you. you. So I love chatting with you in the middle of the day. All right, friend. Well, you have an amazing week and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Jackie. Aren't you just so thankful for all she shared? Man, so good. And God's grace and his goodness and his way of working things for our good. Just so good. So good. All right. So you can find everything Jamie and I talked about in the show notes for this episode. You can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 75. I'll have links to everything we mentioned, all of our favorite things we're loving right now, as well as links to the other podcasts we mentioned. And then also don't forget, if you want to join me over at the Mud Stories Gathering Facebook page, you can go to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Mud Stories Gathering just request to join there. And don't forget the survey, please. I'd love for you to go take the survey. JackieWatkins.com forward slash survey. And I'll be giving away some Amazon cards and a Skype session. So take advantage of that. I really, and just beyond that, I just love to hear from you. I just love to hear your honest, authentic feedback so I can serve you better. All right. Whatever mud it is you're facing today, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead for you, May you find your own grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. A never-ending mother feels a press upon my mind A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out and then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a Safer place again. A never ending mother feels a press upon my mind, a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to
Grateful soul.